The following audio is from the Grove Church Snohomish campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. My name is Jesse, as Andrew said. I am the uh, youth pastor over at our Marysville campus, and it is just so exciting to be here with you. Um, again, Joy is my wife. She's awesome. Um, you got one applause. Sorry, you can't have two. Um, but she is wonderful and just such a blessing, and there's a reason she sings and I don't, because she's way better at it than than I am. And so anyway, I'm excited to be here. We come from a place called Port Orchard, Washington, which some of you may have heard of it. It's over on the Kitsap Peninsula. If you haven't heard of Port Orchard, don't worry, no one really has. Uh, But that's where we come from to be here with you guys today. I've been in Marysville for about four months, and we're just excited to be here. And uh, one thing I just want to shout out really quick, we have a couple friends who actually, one of them came up from San Diego just to hear me preach. No, I'm just kidding. He came up to visit his family for, I don't know, he said Christmas or something like that. So um, anyway, uh, Jonathan, hi, glad you guys are here today as well. So today uh, we're going to be jumping into the last week of our series, Home for Christmas. And today's message is titled, Headed home. And isn't it true that during the holidays, maybe you can relate to this, that we are seldom ever home? Raise your hand if that's true for you. You're seldom home. Okay, so like three of us are seldom home. Let me just write a new introduction. I'll be back in like 10 minutes. Uh, But no, in my life, the holidays are a really busy season for Joy and I. And I don't know if this ever happens to you, but sometimes there are years where it feels like every single person that you know wants to have a white elephant party. Whether it is your coworkers, whether it is your family, whether it is your friends, there's all these people who think that you are just loaded with tons of money to bring for these gift exchanges. And I actually understand and empathize with people who just bring socks because you buy like one pack, you divide it up into like four or five gifts, and then you're done. White elephant parties are done. But parties, we can have those all the time. And Christmas, uh, maybe for you, it's shopping and errands. Where are my last minute people at in the room? Some of us. Okay, yep, way more proud about that one. You're like, I am last minute and it is the best. But maybe a couple days before Christmas, that's when things start to get really busy for you. You're going to Target, to Costco. Costco is one of my favorite places at Christmas time, okay? I walked in there after Christmas and made me sad because all the cool stuff was gone. But uh, maybe for you, that's your busy time of year. Uh, Maybe for you, you have multiple Christmases that you have to celebrate. I used to only have one, and then I got married to my wife, who is from the good old state of Montana. Now, um, when you're a young guy and you're going and you're going to meet your in-laws family and they're from Montana and your father-in-law is not only from Montana, he's a hunter and he has tons of just deer heads and skins just all over the walls. And he's also a former Marine who fought in Vietnam. And one of the first things that he says to you when you go to visit is he says, hey, come downstairs. I want to show you the gun room. It's terrifying. Uh, But that was one of my first Christmases going over to Montana. And so I'll actually be leaving for there tomorrow. And I think for myself, at least, I find myself always getting frustrated with how seldom I'm actually home around the holidays. You know, that song, I'll Be Home for Christmas, it comes on the radio when I'm driving around shopping, and the guy has such a nice voice, but I just want to punch my car stereo because I'm definitely not really that home for Christmas. I think for all of us, we can relate to this, at least the busyness 
during the holidays. And I think all of us have a desire to be home. Today I want to ask this question, and that is this, where is your home? And I don't mean your physical address, so if you come up to me afterwards and try to hand me a little note card with your address, I probably won't take it. Uh, But no, where is your home in a spiritual sense beyond the physical sense? You see, after a busy day or week, it feels good to exhale and say, it's so good to finally be home. And I think that our hearts have that same desire when we're talking about eternity. We have a desire that God has placed inside each and every one of us to one day find our eternal home. Today, I want to tell all of us this simple truth, and that is that heaven is our home. The place where you live day to day, the place where you spend every night, that's not actually your forever home. But no, heaven is all of our home. And no matter who you are in this room today, I don't know where you're at with your journey in faith. Maybe you're just here, you're here from out of town, and you're along with uh, your family for the ride at Christmas. But all of us today are created for an eternity. And today I want to talk about this simple idea and that where your home is changes your perspective. You know, last week, it was a couple days before Christmas, my wife and I sat down to watch a movie called Christmas Vacation. Has anyone seen this movie? There's a character in it, his name is Clark Griswold. You have the Griswold family all getting together for Christmas. And there is these two people who live next to the Griswolds. All right, they don't get a Christmas tree because it's dirty. They don't really celebrate the holidays. They're kind of void of joy and happiness and everything that is good and holy around Christmas time. And then you have the Griswold family. And if you've seen this movie, he tries to go just so over the top to make sure his house is ready for Christmas. He puts up tons of lights, and the thing is just blinding when he finally turns it on and blinds his neighbors. It's this whole thing. But what I think about when I think about this movie and this particular scene is that where your home is changes your perspective. And for these people, they lived directly next door. That was their home. And so it dictated what their perspective was on this house and on their decoration. And for all of us here today, we have an option. We can live our life with heaven as our home or live our life from the perspective that earth is our home. Today, I want to challenge us all to live with that perspective that heaven is our home because when earth is home and we live our life with that temporary mindset, it affects how we live. Maybe for you, living with the perspective of earth as your home, it impacts how you handle and manage your time. Maybe you become selfish with your time. Your life becomes all about your schedule, all about getting to the next thing from point A to point B. I've got five kids. They all have to be at practice at the same time for different sports, and I'm the only person driving them. We get into this mindset where we get stressed and frustrated when our schedules are busy because we view our time with a temporary mindset. Maybe for you, it's how you view your resources and your money. Rather than becoming generous, we actually become stingy and we tend to hoard things that we have. We use a lot of mind language and not a lot of our language. And we forget that God is really the one who has blessed us with these things because we have a temporary mindset. Maybe for you, it's when you navigate trials in your life. You see, all of us will go through something difficult or challenging at one point or another. 
But I know for myself, when I'm navigating something tough, I have the tendency to be the sky is falling kind of person. I feel like the world is crashing down around me, that this is the end, that things are terrible, and that's my gut reaction to go to when I face trials. But that's because I have a temporary mindset. I don't view it as something that I navigate once for a season in light of eternity as my home, but I get wrapped in with this idea that, oh my gosh, my life is terrible because X, Y, and Z have happened. But when we have an eternal mindset, it changes things. Maybe for you, it's people. You view people in your life with a temporary mindset. And within that, we become bitter. Something small happens 10 years ago at a family get-together, and we hold on to this, and we get bitter. We hold a grudge. Our relationships, when viewed as a temporary mindset, the small things become big things. When in reality, people are only here for a season. When heaven is our home, though, we see differently. Today, our first passage is in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, and it paints a beautiful picture of where our home truly is. I'll go ahead and read this. It'll also be on the screen. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Would you pray with me? God, today I thank you so much for the chance that we have to gather here, God, just a couple days before the new year, and God, to reflect on the idea of eternity. God, we know from your word and what we'll talk about more today, God, that you have placed eternity inside all of our hearts. God, that heaven is our home. So God, today I pray for those, God, who are searching. God, those who are struggling with remembering that they should have an eternal perspective. God, I pray that you would just speak to our hearts. God, you would speak to all of our minds and remind us of your truth and where our home is. We pray this in your name. Amen. A couple observations I make about this passage. In that first verse, it tells us that John the writer saw a new heaven and a new earth in this vision that he had. And what this reminds me of is that one day when that new heaven and that new earth arrive, that Jesus will make all things new. That means that nothing in this world will last. Granted, we as people will last, but the chair you're sitting in probably isn't going to make it. Because it tells us that Jesus will come, he'll make all things new. The earth, the heavens, the sea, all of it will be new. Everything is temporary. The next thing I notice this is that Jesus is preparing our future home, and this is such an encouraging truth, where God will dwell with us. See, all of us as Christ followers, we have the Spirit of God and the presence of God living inside our hearts. But what John is doing is he's painting this beautiful picture of how one day, when the new heaven and the new earth come, we will be united with God in a complete fulfillment of the whole reason why Jesus came. We'll have that complete relationship. There'll be no more separation. We'll dwell in his presence forever. And the last thing I notice is this. It is more than just a physical renewal of the world around us that takes place. 
It's more than just the earth. It's more than just the ocean. It's more than just material things. But it is also a spiritual renewal that takes place. When heaven is our home, what we are looking forward to is so much greater and so much more wonderful than anything we could possibly experience in our temporary lives here on earth. Even though Marshawn Lynch just came back, it gets better. But what happens is we view our lives from a temporary mindset. We don't think of our day-to-day situations as having eternal implications and impacts. But instead, we think of temporary. I remember last week um, being a very sad Seahawks fan, right? And some of you are Seahawks fan. I actually met one family today. They had a Cardinals fan, they had an Eagles fan, and a Seahawks fan, and they were all in church being civil together, which was awesome. Um, But as a Seahawks fan, I was pretty sad last week. And I remember that this season was seemingly going pretty well, but of course it seems like it always happens to the Seahawks. Everyone gets injured. And this time, like literally everyone important got injured except Russell Wilson. And I remember thinking about, man, we're playing the 49ers and don't tell Eli I said this. He's the guy in the 49ers jersey. Right now they're one of the best teams in the NFL. And don't boo me, but I'm not looking forward to playing them. You see, after this game, though, last week, I remember having this sense of defeat and almost despair that came over me, which just as a side note, the fact that we get those feelings about a football team, when you really break it down and step back and think about it, it's like, why am I actually (laughs) depressed right now? Uh, But I remember feeling this way and having this sense of, man, I'm defeated. There is no hope for the future, but the reality is there's always next season and the season after that and the season after that. The team will keep playing, people will heal, and things will be back. But when you have a temporary perspective, man, things are so much more difficult. And maybe for us, isn't it true that we allow this same feeling of defeat to creep into our daily lives when we view things with a temporary perspective? Maybe for you, it's in your workplace. You've gone and you've put in for a promotion for a new job. Maybe you've applied for something else. And it's something that you're really hoping for and something that you're really wanting, but then you get the news that someone else got it. You have this feeling of defeat. Man, I'm just stuck in this same rut. I'm stuck in the same job I've been in. Maybe for you it's relational conflict, which seems to intensify around the Christmas season. We're home, we're seeing relatives, people are in from out of town and things get a little crazy. And maybe you're just feeling, man, everyone was upset I feel so defeated after the holidays because there was so much tension because X, Y, and Z all happened and someone ate my cookies. Like whatever it is, you have this tension that happens. Maybe for you, it's simply tragedy, which the holidays are a great reminder of. Maybe it's a relationship which you've had to leave behind. Maybe it's someone who you love and cared about who is no longer with us. And what happens is if we view these situations, these moments of tragedy and loss as temporary, Man, the feeling of loss and grief is just that much more magnified. But today, what would it look like for all of us in this room to view our situations that we navigate, to view disappointments, to view relational tension, to view tragedy with an eternal perspective? One thing that I think is so key to think about is in light of this verse we have from Revelation. Well, how much would it change Say you did put in for a promotion or there is a disappointment that didn't work through. What if instead of focusing on that disappointment in the moment, we think back to this verse and we say, no, God, I know that this didn't work out the way I wanted it to now, but I know that one day you will make all things new. Maybe if a relationship goes sideways, 
and things aren't happening the way we thought they would, what would it look like for us to say, God, this is painful in the moment, but I know your ultimate goal is to make your dwelling place with me, with mankind. What if when we're going through loss and tragedy and we're navigating these difficult things, we said, man, God, I know that this is hard right now, but one day there'll be no more tears. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more sorrow. Do you see the difference? What happens when we shift from a temporary perspective to an eternal perspective? And the whole difference that happens here is it's a matter of where we place our hope. Today, is your hope in heaven? Is your hope in Jesus? Is your hope in his eternal plan for your life? Or is your hope in the temporary things of this world that will fail and that will let you down? Can I tell you that when we place our hope in heaven, when heaven is our home, our hope is in an eternity. When you realize this truth, we start to realize that, man, more than the situations that we navigate in our life, more than those things we struggle with and face, God also has an eternal perspective on us. And he wants us to have that perspective as well. You see, when heaven is our home, we actually begin to see ourselves differently. And today I love what Paul writes in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Now, if you're new to church today, this is a really strange verse. It's like, what is he talking about? Like perishable bodies, imperishable bodies, like what is happening? Just to break this down really quick for you, at the very beginning when Paul writes and he says that the perishable cannot inherit the perishable, the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, simply what he is saying is that we as people are imperfect, broken, and sinful. Because of that sin that has entered into our lives, we are eternally separated from God. Because of that sin that has entered into our lives, we experience pain. We experience loss in this world. We experience suffering. And if you go back, if you're familiar with the story to the Garden of Eden, the story of where Adam and Eve, they sin and they fall and sin enters into the world and that broken relationship with, that relationship with God is broken. And the reason this is important for you and I today is that something has to change in our life. If we're to spend an eternity with Jesus, then we can't continue doing things the same way. But rather, God has something else for us. Next thing I notice here is this. Because of Jesus, we are made right with God. The reward is eternal life. That's why this verse tells us that those who are mortal must put on the immortal. 
Because on our own, as we are today, we cannot inherit the kingdom of God. We cannot spend an eternity with Jesus. But what we see in this passage is that one day, again, Jesus will come and he will make all things new. And we will be able to be reunited in a relationship with God. You see, sin and separation from God is what we deserve. But God loves us far too much to leave us there in that condition. Because of Jesus, we have eternal life. Because of Jesus, we are healed. Because of Jesus, our lives and our hearts are made whole. Because of Jesus, we are loved. And when heaven is your home, you realize just how loved you are by God. But if earth is your home, that's a truth that you have a hard time grasping your mind around. And today, my encouragement for all of us comes from this verse, Romans 8, 31 through 19. It says, and I'm convinced that nothing, everyone say nothing, can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you know what can separate you from God's love? Nothing. No mistake can separate you from God's love. No broken situation in your life can separate you from God's love. Nothing you've ever done or experienced can separate you from God's love. Through Jesus, it is a free gift. And all we have to do is accept Jesus into our hearts. To say, God, I know I've made some mistakes in my life. God, I know I'm not perfect, but I trust so fully in what Jesus did on the cross that I know you came and you died and you gave your life for me, but it's a choice that we have to make. It's a choice that I believe there are people in this room have to make today. And at the end of this message, I'll give you the opportunity to do that. But can I just encourage you with this, man, that you are so loved by God. That no matter what you've done, his love for you is there. He cares so deeply about you. But it starts with a simple choice to say, Jesus, I accept that into my heart today. We'll come back to that towards the end here. And once you understand how loved you are, you realize this, that when heaven is our home, we begin to see others as God sees them. I love what Paul says at the very end of our passage in 1 Corinthians. He says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. You see, this verse was written to the Corinthian church back in the early days of Christianity. And when Paul's writing this verse, he's writing to encourage a group of people who have one mandate, one thing that they're out to do, and that is to go and make disciples of all nations, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, to go and love their neighbor as their self, to spread the love of Jesus throughout the world. And Paul is writing to these people, telling them to not labor in vain. You see, they were persecuted. Life was difficult. Things were challenging, and they probably wondered at points if they were making a difference. They could have turned their backs, but Paul encourages them to remain steadfast. The whole reason he encourages them is this one. Their hope isn't in their temporary day-to-day, but their hope is in an eternity with Jesus. And in the same way that their hope is in an eternity with Jesus, 
the hope of all the people around them, all the people who they were called to go and share the gospel with, it should also be an eternity with Jesus. And so Paul does something powerful here. He encourages them and reminds them that they do not labor in vain because one day, all of their hard work, everything they're doing will come to fruition. People will be saved. They will enter into an eternity with Jesus. And the problem is this. I think sometimes as people, we view others with a temporary rather than an eternal perspective. You see, this is really difficult for all of us, I think, because how many people know that there are difficult people in life that you encounter? Okay, it was just a couple months ago. I was driving down I-5. Who loves I-5? It's the best, right? Um, driving down I-5, having a nice day with my wife. We're just cruising along. And I noticed this guy speeds up next to me. And I don't know him. He doesn't know me. I was doing nothing wrong, which is like everyone says that, and I'm pretty sure I was, but who knows. And I look over at this guy, and I'm smiling. I'm having a great day. And then all of a sudden, he just decides to tell me that I'm number one and speeds off. You know, it wasn't the first thing going through my mind in that moment. Wow, Jesus loves that guy. Definitely wasn't. What was going through my mind was frustration. No, I did not tell him he was number one back, for those of you who are wondering. But I was so confused. I was like, why would a person ever do this? And you see a temporary mindset, it gets frustrated with other people, especially those who are difficult. It has a short temper, a short patience. But an eternal perspective, man, in those moments, your mind should actually be saying, man, I don't know what's going on in that person's heart and life today, but I bet they need to know that God loves them. And it's not something just to be transparent. This probably makes me sound like a bad pastor. I'm not always the best at thinking that. Why? Because I'm human. And all of us here today are human, in case you didn't know. But it's difficult for us to always have those lenses on, to always think through the lens of, man, these people are loved. But today I want to challenge you all with this view, and that is to view people from an eternal perspective. There's an author who I love named C.S. Lewis, and some of you have heard of him, but he puts it really well this way. He says, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal." And their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, whom we marry, whom we snub and exploit. If I were to ask you today, if you view the people in your life from an eternal perspective, what would you say? And it can be really easy, especially for those of us who are used to church, to jump in and say, oh yeah, no, I know Jesus died for me. I love people and it's totally eternal all the time. Heaven is my home. Thanks, pastor. But can I ask you this? When you have a disagreement with your spouse, how does that situation look? When your kids disappoint you, maybe for the third time in one day, I know because I disappointed my parents a bunch, happens, it's normal. But how do you view your kids? Do you have a short temper? Do you view those situations with a temporary mindset? Maybe for you, it's your coworkers. It's people you interact with in the community in your daily life. When things don't happen the way you want them to, when conflict arises, do you view them as people who are frustrating and annoying, or do you view them as people who are created by God with eternity in their heart? 
And it's a higher standard for all of us to be called and challenged to live with. But it's what is laid out for us here today, to view people with that eternal perspective. I love how Ecclesiastes 3.11 puts it. He says this, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from beginning to end. A couple things I notice. One, it says that God makes everything beautiful in its time. That means that we might encounter some difficult people or our lives on earth themselves might be difficult. But God has made all of these things beautiful in their time, meaning that things are hard and challenging right now. But we know that one day that we will see eternity, that we'll spend forever with heaven as our home. But God makes everything beautiful in its time. This verse also tells us that God has put eternity into the heart of man. And that's not just our hearts, but it's the hearts of every single person that you interact with on a daily basis. Just as we talked about earlier, all of us have a desire to be home. And in the same way that us physically, we have a desire to be home, every single person that you interact with, though they may not realize it, have that same desire within them to be home. But again, at the end of this verse, it says, yet so that we cannot find out what God has done from beginning to end. Meaning that we don't know God's plan. I don't know God's plan for my life. I have ideas, I have hopes, I have dreams, and I have wishes of what it will be. But ultimately, I don't know what this temporary life on earth will hold. But what I do know is that if I'm faithful to my relationship with Jesus, to sharing the gospel with others, to living with an eternal mindset, man, what I know is that my eternity, my heaven as home is certain. And it's the same for all of us here today. You may not know how your life is going to work out, how everything's going to happen, but what you do know is that there is a God who loves you, a God who cares deeply for you, a God who has plans for your life that are so great that you can't even imagine them. And honestly, if you knew what they were, you might even turn and run away because the process to get there is difficult. But God has placed eternity in our hearts, and he wants us to live with the perspective that heaven is our home. It is what we are called to do. So let me ask you this. What would it look like for you to view others from an eternal perspective? And specifically, when it comes to telling other people about Jesus, how would you view them differently? Do you ever catch yourself looking at the people in your life saying, there is no chance that they would ever come to God? There is no chance that they would ever give their heart to Jesus because I've tried and I've tried for years. I've been telling my kids for years. I've been telling my friends for years to come to Jesus, but I just don't think it's working. Can I tell you that we don't know God's plan? And to have an eternal perspective is this. It means to not give up faith, to continue pushing, to continue loving, to continue serving, to continue connecting with those people, to create opportunities for them to experience Jesus. So we could have this conversation today for a very long time about what we need to view differently. But the odds are, I believe this, that you probably already know what specifically in your life God is leading you to view differently. Today, I want to leave us with this, and that is that when heaven is our home, we see blank differently. When heaven is our home, we see differently. 
And for all of us today, we have a choice to fill in this blank, to reflect and to evaluate what is it in our life. Maybe for you, it's people. How would you view people differently if you lived with an eternal perspective? Maybe for you, it's how would you spend your time? Oftentimes in the New Year's, we make New Year's resolutions. To have an eternal perspective isn't necessarily committing to working out, okay? Um, But it could be saying, man, I'm going to spend more time serving in my community. I'm going to spend more time reaching out and finding different ways I can give back to people who have given so much to me. Maybe for you, viewing your time with an eternal perspective is even evaluating who you would spend it with. Spending more time with your family and your kids and laying down stuff like work and busyness and schedules to create more moments for memories to be created. Maybe for you, it's your relationship with God. You know, I love as a church, we're launching into the new year and in the lobby, we actually have our 2020 Bible reading plan available. And it's just a daily plan that you can read through studying God's word together as, as a church. And maybe for you in the year of, you know, 2019, almost said 2012, it's definitely not that year, but maybe for you, it's saying, man, God, I'm going to have an eternal perspective on my relationship with you, and I'm going to spend time investing and reading together. Maybe for you, that's what you need to do today. Maybe for you, it's your resources. Can I ask you this? Who would you bless in your life if you viewed your money with an eternal mindset? Is it a neighbor who's maybe struggling? Is it someone in your life where maybe you just feel a prompting from the Holy Spirit to go and to do something for them and you don't actually know their story, but God uses it? What would it look like for you to view your resources with an eternal perspective? How would your generosity look? Maybe for you, it's trials that you're navigating, things that you're struggling with, even right now, today, in this moment. And we all struggle through, tri- through trials, Remember, one that I navigated was I used to longboard, and some of the moms in here, you might have sons who do that, and I'm just sorry because I terrified my mom a number of times. But it was this moment where I remember going down a hill, and I wiped out. It was really bad, and ended up being laid up in the hospital for a couple months, almost died. And it was a trial that I navigated in that moment. And I remember leading up to that, I had been putting my hope in so many temporary things. When this happened, I had to withdraw from college, I had to leave my job for a couple months. I had to move back home. All this stuff where I had placed my hope was suddenly taken away. And I remember this vivid moment with me and Jesus. It's like midnight. I'm in my hospital room. I'm laying there in the bed. And I remember just reflecting on all the things I had that I had lost. And so clearly, God spoke to me in that moment and said, now that you don't have all these things, what else do you have? And I had to come to a place where I could only respond and say, God, all I have is you. And in God's great love, he just responded back and said, and that is all you need. And I think when we view our trials with an eternal mindset, we have that similar experience. We think, God, why is this happening? Why is this relationship not panning out? Why did I lose this person? And God is saying, is your hope in me? Because God is there. He loves us. He's present in our trials and in our struggles. But man, he's also there to give us hope and joy and life and life abundantly. That is why Jesus came. What does it look like for you today to view your trials with an eternal perspective? What would you fill in this blank today? What do you need to see differently?
around this room, would you just bow your heads with me? Close your eyes. We've been talking about this idea of eternity. The whole idea that heaven is our home. And I truly believe and sense in my spirit that there are people here where you feel like you kind of know where home is. Maybe you've been running from God for a while. Maybe you're just here by accident and you're thinking, man, what is going on? Um, Can I tell you that there is a God who loves you and that accepting him into your heart, it's life-changing, but it is so simple. The word tells us that if we believe with our hearts and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that we will be saved, that we will have heaven as our home but it simply begins with just taking a moment to respond and to make that commitment. And so around this room, no one's looking around. This is a moment between you and Jesus. And I just want to pray with you. If you're here today and you want to make that commitment to accept Jesus into your heart, to make heaven your home, could you just slip your hand up really quick if that's you today? Awesome. You can leave them up just for a second. Just want to make sure I see everyone. Okay, I just want to take a moment to pray with you and you can put your hands down. And what I want us to do is if you're in this room, all of us together, if you could just repeat this simple prayer with me. Dear Jesus, thank you so much that heaven is our home. I confess, Lord, that I have sinned, but I believe that Jesus came and gave his life that I be made whole. God, I pray you would fill me with your presence and your love and help me to follow you every day for the rest of my life. Amen. God, today I just thank you for every single person, Lord, in this room, God, who made that commitment to publicly give their heart to you. God, as your word tells us, you have placed eternity into our hearts. And God, I thank you for those, Lord, who have chosen to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And God, I pray that even now, God, that you would help their perspective to shift. God, from a temporary God to an eternal perspective where heaven is home. God, I pray, Lord, that in the coming days, God, you would give them courage to follow you boldly. God, as family members, even when they travel home or wherever they're going, ask them, man, something seems different. God, would you give them the words to say, the courage to proclaim your good news boldly. Jesus, send your spirit with them. Give them your presence. We pray this in your name, amen. The last part that I want us all to do together, and in this conversation of eternity, the other side of this is that we all know people in our life if you really think about it hard enough, who need to know Jesus. And so many of you on your way in today, you got a program. Some of you just have your phone. And what's gonna happen here is the band is just gonna lead us um, for a brief moment. Joy's gonna play keys. And what I want us to do is just reflect and write down three names. And this isn't something that you're gonna post anywhere. Uh, You're not gonna text the person necessarily and say, hey, you're on my list and leave it vague. You're not gonna do that. Um, But this is simply for you to have people that you can pray for and intentionally share the gospel, the good news of Jesus with. So I'm gonna go ahead and let Joy lead us and take the next couple moments to respond. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Snohomish Sermon Podcast. 
If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.